views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? night to be a mountaineer wherever you may be agent back to pass rushed out of the pocket throwing it downfield it's into the end zone here are your hosts jordan nice warner luke wiggs and parker stone well good morning america it is panhandle sports live for this 27th day of march in the year of our Lord, 2023, I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone alongside. Final day without Jordan Icewarner. We'll be getting an in-depth spring training report from the man, the myth, the legend, when he returns from his much-deserved vacation tomorrow. But still one more show to get through and plenty to talk about on today's festivities and today's agenda. Parker, how are we doing today? Doing good. We uh, we grouped up yesterday. We were down at the uh, Roundhouse in Martinsburg for the Eastern Panhandle Home Builders Association Home Show last night. It was a good time out. And, you know, I guess people think our voices are golden. They think we're a lot older <laughs> than what we actually are because somebody was like, it was like, you guys look a lot younger than what we thought you were. But it was a good time. Got to talk to a guy. It was an older gentleman. We were giving away Baltimore Orioles tickets over the weekend as we're Baltimore Orioles affiliates. And he was talking about how he watched Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford in the old Griffith Stadium. This guy, I would say, I'd say anywhere between 80 and 90 years old this guy was. And he was an absolute treasure to hear the stories he had. He was an absolute time. But it was a great time over at the home show if you were able to get out over the weekend. It was great weather for it, too. It was a good time. And it was a big sports weekend, too, of course. The Final Four has been set. Records went down for Shepard Softball. A lot of fun over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Not only has the men's Final Four been set, got to catch some of what Caitlin Clark did yesterday when Iowa beat Louisville. Unbelievable, man. She's phenomenal. She's unbelievable. And this upcoming draft with her and Becker's in it, because I believe they're all the same recruiting class, and you stay all four years in college before you get drafted into the WNBA, it's going to be one of the most loaded drafts in history. But the home show was a good time. A lot of people said they were going to be tuning into today's show when we mentioned the show yesterday. So if you're tuned in for the first time, we appreciate you giving us the listen, especially my one Raider fan out there <laughs> that with one of the coolest hats I've ever seen. Uh, but it's been a pretty abysmal offseason for the Raiders. We won't talk about them much today. But what we will talk about is Shepard softball, something that came across our docket over the weekend. A record, Parker, was set on the diamond uh, for some women's softball. Yes, it was. Nicole Pertle, their standout graduate student player, she set the Shepard softball career record with 158 career runs. Shepard went and split with Bloomsburg over the weekend. They got their first PSAC win in softball play, which is a big hump for them. And that's really what they've been looking for. You mentioned early, later in the week last week that the problem for this team has been scoring runs in PSAC play. They scored two runs in both games against Bloomsburg. They were fell short in nine innings, three to two, but they end up beating Bloomsburg in the nightcap, two to one. In there, the defense is good on this team, but when it's playing good, they again they got to find ways to score offense in better ways. But the career record went down from Nicole Pearl. Congratulations to her for that one. And they got a big set of games coming up this week too. They're at Shippensburg tomorrow in a doubleheader, and then they are at Mansfield on Friday, and then Saturday they're going up to Lock Haven. So a big long road trip for the softball team as they're getting deep into PSAC play at this point. The really the benchmark is going to be set for how good this team is going to be in PSAC play. I think the big hump was getting that first win in conference play because they needed that desperately. If they 
if they had Bloomsburg and they were having not to get a split and to get swept by Bloomsburg, I think then at that point we could start asking questions about, okay, was that trip to Florida maybe a little bit of a fluke? Was that lower competition for this team? But now we can look and say, okay, they got that first win. They're over the hump, and now they got a tough road trip. If they can get a split of this entire series throughout this week, it could be potential for this team to keep growing, keep making noise in PSAC play. But again, hats off to Nicole Pearl. Fantastic record getting that done, 158 career runs. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive for a college softball player. It certainly is. The Virginia native has played 173 games in her career as a Shepherd Ram. 158 runs scored over those games. It's almost a running game, which is remarkable. It was a third-team All-American last year. Spent some time on the mound for the Shepherd softball team that, as you mentioned, has hit a little bit of a stare in conference play. 16-8, and the record overall on the season. However, like we've talked about a couple of times on this show, they're just three wins away from already matching the win total that they had next season. Shepherd baseball has also gotten off to a phenomenal start this season, but... The Rams, in that regard, has had a little bit of a schism. They're 14-9, and nine, but, Parker, they've lost three of their last four. Yeah, they got swept over the weekend against Bloomsburg, of course, something you don't want to look at. Bloomsburg has been down a little bit, but right now we've looked at this team and said, okay, you're making strides. There's a lot of young guys on this team, a lot of juniors, a lot of guys that are building into that program. They're getting a series up against Mansfield, I believe, later this week. I think I just saw the notification. It got moved to Wednesday. But they got a series against Davis and Elkins and a doubleheader tomorrow. Then they get Shippensburg on a split over the weekend. And, again, we talk about this with the girls in softball, the guys in baseball. This is going to be the same type of scenario, picking up these wins. If you're able to sweep Davis and Elkins at home, which is something you should hopefully get in, and then you got Shippensburg, who I know is one of the better teams in the East. You go against them and you try and get a split on the road. That's really what you look for in these types of matchups. Win the sweep the home series, split in the away. That's really what you try and do for the most part. And if they're able to get these going, again, they could make a little bit of noise come tournament time. Again, we mentioned top four teams from each division in the PSAC get into the PSAC baseball tournament. So you want to stay in that top four. And any win against an Eastern opponent like a Shippensburg, like a Mansfield, a Bloomsburg, East Strasburg, teams like that in Kutztown as well. If you're able to get wins against these teams or split against these teams on the road, it's going to matter when it comes down to later in the season and into the summer. And we are just a couple of days away from beginning our broadcast schedule for high school baseball and softball and Shepherd baseball and softball. We'll get that schedule a little bit more, or a little better hashed out here in the coming days. The Mountaineer baseball team took two out of three from Xavier over the weekend. Listen to the stat line, if I can pull it up really quickly, from J.J. Weatherhold is quickly becoming one of the best college baseball players in the nation, Parker. He's hitting 455 on the season. He is, in 24 games, stolen 23 bases out of 25 attempts, six home runs, 30 RBIs. He's slugging 768 and has a 430 OBP, 11 doubles, a triple, just for good measure. And he's playing very good defense at second base. And that feat is equaled by his teammate Blaine Traxel who has pitched in six games for the Mountaineers this year, and in six of those games, four of which he's gone the distance. Four complete games. The Mountaineer baseball team, 16-8, and eight, uh, is certainly worth mentioning. And J.J. Weatherhold, had it not just been his second year of college baseball, probably would get drafted. Yeah, I think so, too. It's uh, it's phenomenal from this team putting together. They were ranked in the top 25 earlier this season, coming in at number 24 they're probably going to be bounced out of the rankings because it's a couple losses they've taken. But, again, they're right there in the mix of it in the top 25. That's impressive showing for Coach Maisie and that team. They've been putting together a really good run. And, again, this run put together by Weatherhold's fantastic. And this is what they need. If you're going deeper and you want to make your way deep into the NCAA baseball tournament, 
You're going to have to have guys like that who can step up and make plays. If you got got a guy like this on your roster, it's solid. Good defense at second base, a pop in his bat. That's what you really want. And then if the pitching can bring itself together, you're looking at a team maybe could win a couple games at least in the NCAA tournament if they get themselves together and have a good second half. Again, Mountaineer baseball is looking really good right now. It's really promising on Morgantown. Absolutely. They play Marshall. Uh, the Herd are 11-10 and 10 on the Diamond uh, with their first-year head coach, uh, shoot, Beals is his last name. Uh, that comes up on Tuesday. I also want to mention Marshall softball, something that you talked about yesterday during the home show. Uh, this is a team that went 35-18 and 18 last year. This season, they are a remarkable 27-3 and three Marshall softball. And hopefully, we're just a couple of years away from WVU adding that program as well. Uh, some other news over the weekend. We talked about a lot of baseball. We'll get into high school baseball and softball here in a second. Quick shout-out to Shepard Golf. Finished second at the Cardinal Classic. Love to see Shepard succeeding in whatever the sport may be. The women's finished fourth, so props to them. Shepard's Pro Day is tomorrow. Tyson Bajan will be back in action with the boys. Our boys will be there. We'll be covering that Pro Day. A lot to talk about when we come back at Wednesday. It's certainly a who's who of media. I know ESPN's going to be there, but more importantly than that, Joe Bricado is going to be there, and he's going to be, of course, shooting a lot of video for Metro News that you're going to be able to find that night and the following day. So a lot to unpack on Wednesday in terms of Shepard Pro Day. What can Tyson Bajan do to elevate his stock and potentially solidify himself as a draft pick? Can Joey Fisher play himself into the latter back end of the draft? Uh, the other guys will be out there, Solomon Alexander as well, Ronnie Brown, Brian Walker, and uh, a little bit of flavor from the Mountain East Conference. I know we've got a fullback from West Liberty coming uh, and some of your Concord brethren, so I'm certainly excited for that. Yeah, I am too. And You mentioned what can Tyson do to elevate his draft stock. I think at this point, just showing his drop back, seeing how he can run on a pro-style scheme, really how Shepard's offense ran last season. They ran a lot of West Coast stuff, occasional passes deep, but a lot of it was short, medium passing. Ronnie Brown out of the backfield, Brian Walker on hitch routes from the tight end spot, and then you see an occasional pass to a guy like Rodney Dorsey and Marlon Cook. Really the biggest gripe I've seen from people – picking Tyson Bages game and this is really tight griping here is the ability to throw the deep ball I think if he can flash that here at the pro day I think there's a really good potential again he could get drafted it's been touted this draft class is a really deep one at positions not in not like guys who are generational talents per se there's some guys in there but you're looking at guys who are really good starters, really good backups from this team. We're probably going to see four, potentially five quarterbacks go in round number one, which is good for Tyson's sake because that's going to push the need for quarterback up in this draft class. If he performs well at this pro day, he's getting the attention, he's getting the notoriety. I think there's a really good chance again. Right now we're really looking at day three for Tyson if he's going to get drafted at this point, so between rounds four and seven. I think he's there as long as everything goes his way in the pro day, shows his good dropback skills, shows his ability to run a pro-style offense. Joey Fisher's case, I think him lining up at all five offensive linemen positions is going to be a benefit to him. I think most people are projecting him inside at guard, but if he shows the ability he can snap the ball and play center, I think that's going to help him a lot. And then as well for the other guys, Solomon Alexander, Ronnie Brown, Brian Walker, and then the rest of the guys coming out from the Mountain East. This is your chance. What do you got to lose here? Just go out and have fun. Go with it. And then maybe you'll pick up some attention. Maybe you'll get a good undrafted free agent offer. Maybe you flash enough to really get somebody's attention and get a draft offer. You see Joey Fisher got an offer from the USFL. He got picked in their draft. Maybe a USFL or an XFL team comes calling your way from seeing this. And again, there's national media going to be here. NFL Network's going to be present. ESPN's going to be present. So there's going to be people around the league talking about the Shepard Pro Day, which, again, is really exciting. And it seems like the eyes are coming to Shepard now, as we saw over the weekend 
and through the Rams social media pages. Former Heisman winner Robert Griffin III showed up at Shepard practice over the weekend, which was really cool. He was able to talk to the guys, talk to Tyson a little bit. And it's really cool. It's really cool Shepard is getting this media notoriety, which is also helping Coach McCook in that program because people are seeing big names are coming to Shepard. NFL Network and ESPN, Robert Griffin III, these are endorsements for Rams football right now, and it's really going to start pulling guys to this program, I think. That certainly is. And again, that comes your way tomorrow. Uh, Shepherd Pro Day, uh, it's open to the public, begins at 11 o'clock if you want to sit in the stands and watch, but we've got you covered in terms of coverage. Uh, one more thing I wanted to get to before we take a break, we've got a lot of high school baseball and softball today. I want to run through the schedules in case you're interested in uh, uh, taking in some local flavors, some local high school baseball or softball tonight. In high school baseball, Hedgesville's taking on Jefferson, that's the three and four Eagles, starting to are trying to get past a slower start, had a lot of guys join that team from the basketball program just a little bit later than scheduled, trying to get up to speed against three and one Jefferson, the powerhouse. Martinsburg, the darling story early on for high school baseball are undefeated on the season as they host 3-3 three and three Washington and Musselman will take on East Hardy. Which of those three games in high school baseball has garnered the most of your attention, Parker Stone? I would say probably that Hedgesville-Jefferson matchup between these. I think those two teams, if Hedgesville is able to pull out a win against Jefferson, you get yourself back up to 500 and you're really into the conversation right now here in the EPAC. That and the other EPAC matchup going on today between two in conference opponents, Martinsburg and Washington. Martinsburg's gotten off to a really hot start this season. They're four and zero, and a Washington team again. They're kind of in the crossroads that Hedgesville is. You're right at five hundred. You drop this game, you're below five hundred. And this is teams that are really trying to jock for position going to the state tournament. We've talked about it. Only one team from the EPAC will be representing in the state tournament over in Charleston. So it's every game counts at this point. Seeding counts. Home field advantage is going to be huge come time for these baseball tournaments. If you're able to pull out these wins and get these early in the season, maybe when teams are still trying to find themselves, it's going to be big coming into the later months, into late into April, early into May, when you're really jockeying for position going into the state tournament. In high school softball, too, all EPAC matchups as Hedgesville undefeated takes on Jefferson at 3-3. Three and three. Played a lot of very tough out-of-state competition. Martinsburg searching for their first win. They're 0-5. They take on a 2-1 and Washington team. Any intrigue out of that Hedgesville-Jefferson game? See if Hedgesville's come to play this year. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely an opportunity for Hedgesville to draw the line in the sand and say we are contending for a state spot this year. Really, it was between Jefferson and Washington last year. Jefferson kind of getting off to a slower start in the softball, and they're 500 right now. Washington sitting at a 2-1. and one. Hedgesville with a win here can really solidify and say, okay, this is a three-team race right now. We're going down to the wire, and we're going to put ourselves into that mix. Martinsburg hasn't gotten off to the start they've wanted, but again, it's an opportunity against Washington. You're, all, you're always looking for win number one, and I'm sure a team that hasn't won yet this season the hunger's still there. We're st- we're not even into April yet. Teams are still trying to jog for that big win for their season and put the stamp on their mark. These two games here are going to be really important, I think, coming into the thick of things and then later into the season. If Hedgesville can win, it's a statement. If Jefferson wins, it's a solidification of saying, hey, we're still the team to beat here in the EPAC. Martinsburg, if they get a win, it puts them back in a role in a conversation starter. Washington with a win, I think, will solidify them as one of those teams that are going to be in contention to go to Charleston. Programming note, Parker already gave this out. I wanted to clarify. Shepard baseball doubleheader against Mansfield has been moved to Wednesday due to some weather. So if you're interested in taking in that Shepard baseball doubleheader against Mansfield, instead of being played tomorrow, it'll be played on Wednesday. Take our first break of the show. When we return, 
Let's get into a little Major League Baseball. Let's make Parker Stone pick who he thinks is going to win every single Major League Baseball division this year and to have a little bit of a, a good time on the other side of this break of Panhandle Sports Live. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. Luke and Parker with you. Jordan rejoining the broadcast tomorrow, taking that uh, vacation down to sunny Florida. Can't wait to hear all of the trouble that the nice Warners got into. He's going to get a nice little tan when you come back State. up here, too. I hope so. I hope so. He hasn't been, you know, shut up in his house playing MLB The Show like some people <laughs> over the last couple of days. Had some fantasy baseball drafts, by the way, yesterday. I had two. I was in one with... Uh, uh, with the Stone Clan. Had a good time. I think fantasy baseball. I'm looking forward to it this year. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I'm excited. That league, we started up with my family and all of them. And I guess you win doctrined in at this <laughs> point. So welcome to the insanity that is that baseball league. It's going to be a good time. But Major League Baseball opening day coming up this Thursday. We're going to very quickly run through all six divisions, get our picks as to who we think is going to win the division, uh, and don't be shy about deciding who you think is going to win it all as well. Let's begin with the AL East. This division dominated, per usual, by the Yankees last year, who won 99 games. The Toronto Blue Jays, who, by the way, recently named Alec Manoa as their opening day starter. Congratulations to the former Mountaineer. The Tampa Bay Rays, who continue to turn uh, garbage rosters into winning teams that won 86 games a season ago. Our beloved Baltimore Orioles, which you can hear every Orioles game right here on WBPM and WCST, had finished above 500. As good as this division was, the Orioles finished, what, two games above 500 last year and missed the playoffs, finished in fourth place. And the Red Sox, 78-84, uh, to finish up this uh, division last season. But the winner of the AL East this year will be... I think it's the Yankees again. I think just <laughs> because they have Aaron Judge back, then they named Anthony Volpe. He's coming up, and he's been one of the most highly touted prospects in the minors for a while now. He's going to be a clog for them at shortstop. People have talked so much good things about Anthony Volpe. You've got bats like Anthony Rizzo. you got DJ LeMay, who's looking to have a bounce back. Giancarlo Stanton, if he can turn back the clock, he can mash two home runs in a game if he really wants to. You brought in Harrison Bader in a trade midseason from the Yankees. There's a lot of good pieces there. The only real team I think that can contend with them is Toronto. They got a lot of good pieces if their pitching's up. If they get good offensive production and a big year from a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., guys like George Springer, and guys like Bo Bichette if he has another great season. I think Toronto could contend for that top spot, but I'm going to stick with the Yankees. Only thing with the Yankees right now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Luis Salvarino, Carlos Rodon, Frankie Montas all hurt to begin the season. Mm -hmm. So they're going to begin with Johnny Brito and Clark Schmidt in their rotation along with Domingo Oman, Nestor Cortez, Nasty Nestor as we like to call him, and Garrett Cole. But Parker says the Yankees, I'll say the Yankees as well. Make it easy. But if anybody's going to push him, I think the second place team in that division this year is going to be uh, the Blue Jays, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, moving our attention now to the American League Central. The Cleveland Guardians won 92 games last year uh, to win this division, followed up by the White Sox, who finished a perfect 81-81, and 81, right at 500. Uh, the Twins to follow with 78 wins, 66 wins for the Tigers, and the Royals with 65. I think this is another chalk division. You pick between one of the two teams. I still think it's Cleveland. Uh, I think Tristan McKenzie is going to have a very good season, um, although I do expect every team in this division, with the exception of maybe the Royals, they're a year away from being a year away to get better. But you look at 
uh, Savali, Quantrill, Plesak, Beaver, McKenzie. I think this is still Cleveland's division. I think so, too. But I think Chicago and Minnesota are going to give this a really good fight. I think it's between those three teams. Detroit and Kansas City are going to be jockeying for that four spot, I think. Chicago's got a lot of good pieces. I really like the season Dylan Cease put together last year. I think they got the best pitching in the division by far. You got a guy like Lance Lynn coming back. You've got Lucas Giolito, too, in that rotation. Liam Hendricks is one of the best closers in baseball. You get the White Sox and their pitching's on. They're going to be tough to beat with guys like Tim Anderson. If Luis Robert can stay healthy for a full season, Eloy Jimenez, another guy, if he can stay healthy. Chicago's got a really good chance to steal to steal the division from Cleveland, though. But I think Jose Ramirez is the most underrated star in baseball. He's fantastic in what he does. And again, the Twins. And I've said this with Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. If Byron Buxton can stay healthy, watch out. because this, this guy's an MVP candidate if he can stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. He just cannot stay healthy for his sake. But I got the Guardians as well well winning this division in the american league west the astros were the only centurions in the in the american league last year winning 100 games followed up by the mariners they won 106 by the way mariners who won 90 the angels who won 73 the rangers were 68 the athletics with 60 as far as the astros are concerned jeremy Pena, it's the first time we get to see him for a stretched out full season kyle tucker is one of my favorite batters in baseball followed up by the mariners in this division that a lot of people will say have one of the most uh, fun Rosters in baseball, you look at that first five uh, projected by roster resource. Colton Wong, obviously J-Rod, Ty France in the three-hole. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen, but he's a player that I really like. Teoscar Hernandez and Gino Suarez coming over uh, from that Reds trade a couple of years ago, along with Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert. Robbie Ray is your number three. The legend Marco Gonzalez that the Cardinals gave away for absolutely nothing a couple of seasons ago, but they're here. The Angels... What are they going to do with the two best players in baseball that uh, what Mike Trout has, what, 15 postseason at-bats? Is that going to change at the end of the season? Probably not. The Rangers behind that and the Oakland A's who lost 100 games last year. I'm going to say the Mariners take this division this year. I, I, I think this roster is too fun, too competitive, and it's too well supported of a fan base for them to get worse than the 90 wins that they won a season ago. I'm expecting this aging Astros roster at some point to take a little bit of a step down. And while I think they still make the playoffs, I say this is the Mariners' world. I'm going to say the same thing. I really like what Seattle's putting together. I think they take the AL West. I think Houston gets the first wild card, though. I think they're going to put together a really good season, and it's going to be close between the Mariners and the Astros, I think. Jose Altuve is going to be out for a little bit of a stretch. He's got a broken thumb. How are you going to replace Justin Verlander on that team? He's off with the Mets now. Is Christian Javier going to be that guy for them? Is it going to be a guy like Luis Garcia? Who's going to be that pitcher for the Astros that's going to step up and fill the void of Justin Verlander? But I tell you what, if Jordan Alvarez can get himself going this season and he puts together an MVP like season he's very capable of it and I saw this in an article it's the best way to describe him what Aaron Judge is on the right side of the plate Jordan Alvarez on the left side of the plate he hits absolute bombs and if he's able to do that for the Astros they got a good chance to win this division but I think Seattle this is their year this is their roster they're being led by the I think the most fun player in baseball right now in Julio Rodriguez and they got a fun roster good pitching I think the Mariners take the division as well a team that's seen a lot of turnover, the New York Mets in the National League East. They're able to bring back Brandon Nimmo. Obviously, we know what's going on with Edwin Diaz out for the season. Bring back Ottavino. Bring back Tommy Hunter. They lost a lot of different pieces in this offseason. Chris Bassett's gone to Toronto. Taiwan Walker to Philadelphia. DeGrom to Texas for the first time. Trevor Williams is gone. Joely Rodriguez is gone. Tyler Naquin is gone. The list goes on. Seth Lugo is gone. Trevor May is gone. Michael Conforto is gone. Um, they tied the top of this division with the Braves last year with 101 wins. 
obviously the Braves and one of the more fun pitching staffs in baseball. I'm a big fan of their front two and Max Fried and Spencer Strider. You also have the Phillies in here. A lot of top-heavy talent have the best catcher in baseball, arguably the best shortstop in baseball. Throw in Nick Castellanos, who I cannot stand, into that mix for fun. The Marlins still have a fun roster. And a young pitching rotation of Sandy Alcantara, Eduard Cabrera, who I think is going to have a very good season this year. Jesus Lazardo and Johnny Cueto is their number five. is 38 years old, which is pretty wild. Uh, and then, obviously, the Nationals behind that are rebuilding. But I think this is a legitimate four-horse race with the Marlins a distant four, but a competitive mm-hmm. four. I've got the Mets winning this division. I find it hard to believe that Cohen's going to spend all that money and this team's not going to be successful. Uh, it's a fun lineup, especially in the middle. I love Mark Canna. I love Brandon Nimmo as guys that can have very productive at-bats for Francisco Lindor, who also is arguably the best shortstop in baseball. Jeff McHitz, you throw in there for fun, and the Panda Bear. To me, I've got the Mets winning this division. I've got the Braves winning this division. I think their pitching right now is really good. I mean, you compare it to what the Mets have. Again, you have Max Scherzer and you have Justin Verlander coming over from from. Houston I mean you got a young roster in the Braves and they've done so good at keeping that core together guys like Austin Riley Ronald Acuna Jr. if again another guy if we point to if he can stay healthy that's a guy who can win National League MVPs fantastic one of the better young players in baseball Michael Harris had a fantastic rookie season for them in center field Spencer Strider again another one of those rookies fantastic first year pitching they got a good pitching staff Kyle Wright's in the back end of that rotation the ageless wonder Charlie Morton back there for him too they got a lot of fun pieces on this roster you bring in Sean Murphy from a trade from Oakland who's going to really solidify that catcher position with his defense and the pop in his bat and then you get a guy like Matt Olson too he was a fantastic star in Oakland too I really like what Atlanta puts together if, while they haven't spent the money in bringing guys in they've retained their guys and their guys are really good so I got the Atlanta Braves winning the, the division but you are right it is a really close four horse race if Bryce Harper was healthy this season and playing a full year for Philadelphia I'd be tempted to pick the Phillies because their pitching's really good too but I think Harper being out to the all-star break is really going to push them maybe into a wild card spot so I got the Braves in the National League Central highlighted by my very own world champion St. Louis Cardinals a lot of depth in this starting lineup and of course the news yesterday Jordan Walker will make the team he's still 20 years old was a first round pick of a couple of years ago the number four prospect in baseball where they were wondering had a minor shoulder injury in camp if that was going to hold him out but he's going to be here Paul Goldschmidt Nolan Arenado still there first year with Wilson Contreras you've got a great outfield of Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson Tommy Edmond one of the more fun players in baseball may lead the league in steals interesting rotation Miles Michaelis, who they just signed to a kind of ridiculous extension, but it is what it is. Jack Flaherty's coming back. You've got Ryan Helsley as well as the closer, arguably the best closer in this division, uh, not named Devin Williams, the airbender, of course, of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. You still have Christian Yelich. He's 31 years old. He feels younger. Rowdy Tellez, one of the best power hitters in baseball, though he doesn't really do that much else. Uh, a great front end of the rotation for the Brewers as well, and Burns and Woodruff kind of falls down after that, although I know a lot of people like Eric Lauer. I'm not one of them. And a very good bullpen as well. The Cubs spent a lot of money, and did it turn them into a winning team? I say no. Other people may say yes. And then you've got the Reds and the Pirates rebuilding behind that. In my opinion, as a biased Cardinal fan, if the Cardinals don't win the division this year, they've done something wrong. 
because they're the best roster by far. I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, it, this is the division that you can point and say this is easily this is the easiest one to pick out all of them. The Cardinals are the best team in this division by far. You point at the Pirates and you point at the Reds. Both these teams obviously rebuilding. The Pirates have a lot of fun pieces. You got Henry Davis that'll be coming up at some point at catcher. O'Neill Cruz is one of the anomalies of baseball right now. He's about six foot eight and playing shortstop. Brian Hayes, one of the best defensive third basemen in the league already. There's a lot of fun pieces on this Pirates team, but they're still some years away from getting into a good position. The Reds, too, I think they're further than that away. They got two young, good pitchers in Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. I'm excited to see what those two guys do this season. But it's really down to the three teams. I think the Cardinals are by far and away the best team in the Central. But I'll say this. I think the Cubs leapfrog the Brewers, and the Cubs will be the number two team in the Central this season. I think Milwaukee's going to take a step back, losing Josh Hader, losing some of their pieces. I don't know if the offense is there for the Brewers to contend with the Cubs, who spent a lot of money on Dansby Dansby Swanson. Can Cody Bellinger find the fountain of youth and get back to what he was in 2017? We'll have to find out. But I think what the Cubs have done, I think they're going to leapfrog the Brewers, and I think they'll finish second. And lastly, the National League West, highlighted by the Dodgers, who won a Major League Best 111 games a season ago. A very interestingly constructed roster. Uh, there's a lot of young pieces here I like. Uh, Luke's bold prediction for today for Major League Baseball, Miguel Vargas will finish in the top three in National League Rookie of the Year voting. It's hard to say that he's going to win it over Walker or Carroll or the Japanese pitcher that uh, is playing for the Mets, whose name Senga. escapes me. Yeah, Senga. Uh, but Miguel Vargas is going to have a very good rookie season. And there's some young pieces on this team that I really like, highlighted by Dustin May, Julio Rios in their rotation. Um, I know their number five starter is a younger guy as well, but this team brought in some very aging veterans. J.D. Martinez, David Peralta, and Miguel Rojas out of nowhere might be the opening day shortstop for this team, which is remarkable that they've downgraded from Trey Turner to that. Uh, although, like I said, they do influx some young talent with Vargas into that starting lineup as well. You also have the Padres getting everybody back from suspension, injury, things like that. Very talented lineup from top to bottom that also now boasts Sander Bogarts and Matt Carpenter, who they brought in in free agency. Uh, a stacked uh, rotation. I think Nick Martinez is going to have a better year than people give credit for. Jay Groom, one of their top prospects uh, they acquired from Boston, potentially might make the rotation this year as well. You've got the Giants, who always seem to be competitive. You've got a Diamondbacks roster that's really going to be fun to watch this year. Watch for Jake McCarthy to have a fun season along with the rookie Corbin Carroll. Um, Christian Walker in here as well as somebody that can uh, has a little bit of pop in his bat. And then you also have the Rockies, who can't beat anybody, but they're going to lose all of their games 10-7. to I think the Padres leapfrog and win this division this year. I know the Dodgers have a lot of talent, but I don't think people are taking into account how much worse this roster has gotten. I think this is going to be a division full of fun teams, only two of which are going to make the playoffs in the Dodgers and the Padres, but the Padres finally take the crown and take the division. Yeah, I think San Diego gets it too. Again, that roster I think is too talented, and they're actually my pick to win the National League is San Ooh. Diego. I think they're fantastically built. You got guys all around this roster that can just play. They're insanely good. You've got Tatis, who's going to come back at some point in late April, maybe early May in this roster. Is he going to play short? He'll probably go play the outfield, I would imagine, with Sander Bogarts playing either second or shortstop for them, one of the two. I know they've liked what Hyo Sung Kim's brought to them at second base. you got Manny Machado, who's one of the most sturdy and consistent players in baseball on that end. You've got guys all around this team right now that are going to be fun. It's going to be a great team. you got Joe Musgrove is going to come back to the lineup. after He's going to miss a couple starts with a broken toe. You Darvish coming off a really good World Baseball class 
fantastic performance. And then you've got all sorts of guys. Blake Snell, as well as another guy in that rotation, too. Josh Hader, arguably the best closer in baseball, now on your roster after the trade last season. I really like what San Diego's put together. And what really hurt the Dodgers for me is losing Gavin Lux for the season. I was really excited to see what he was going to do if they were going to really push him into a big-time spot on their roster. He goes down for the season with a torn ACL. So that's just for me. And I think they're going to be in an absolute dogfight. The Dodgers are to just make the playoffs between anyone between who doesn't ever win the NL East, between the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies, and the two teams in there. So one of these teams here is going to have to miss the playoffs, whether that's the Phillies, the Mets, the Braves, or the Dodgers right here. So one of those teams will have to miss the playoffs, which will be insane. And that wild card race for the National League, watch out for that this season. That's a big storyline. But certainly a crazy Major League Baseball season that we're expecting to have. And, of course, you can hear Baltimore Orioles games all season long. Do the O's take the next step? We'll have to find out this season. Those games can be heard here on WBPM and WCST. Another break to take as Panhandle Sports Live is brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths, which I need to remind you. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths has delivered distinguishing re- or distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. For new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbaths.com or on Facebook or visit their showroom, 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. When we return, we'll talk a little March Madness. Certainly a lot of fun in terms of college basketball coming to the end of the season. And we'll get Parker's picks later on in the show. But you're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back in Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. This is a broadcast that keeps on winning, and I think that those associated with the show, Parker, keeps on winning because our very own Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths, from what we understand, a special shout-out to the assist from Marcia Kavalik from the news desk, the Eastern Panhandle Home Show, which we were a part of over the last couple of days, handed out a couple of awards. Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths, first place for their booth. Congratulations there to them. There we go. Let's go Mountaineer which Kitchens and Baths. I didn't get to stop by, but I'm looking at the pictures of it now. Gorgeous. Looks beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. So if I ever need a bathtub installed, my bathroom remodeled, although I don't know if my landlord would be okay with that, uh, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths is certainly where I'm going to go through. Quality work, custom work done. Check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBaths.com and on Facebook or visit their showroom, 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. So Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths victorious over the weekend, as were the Iowa Hawkeyes in the NCAA Women's Tournament over the Cardinals of Louisville. And we talked about Caitlin Clark. Just wanted to circle back to her, Parker, and give her her flowers. 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. She shot 8 of 14 from 3 in this game. Unbelievable for them to punch their ticket to the Final Four along with LSU, who we'll talk about here in just a second. Kim Mulkey continues to wear the most outrageous outfits while coaching her team on the sideline. But Caitlin Clark, uh, for the time being, and I know that a lot of injuries, unfortunately, have put Beckers a little bit behind her in this conversation, but Caitlin Clark is certainly the best women's college basketball player. I'll go ahead and say it's the best we've seen since Brittany Griner. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's a star-making performance. She's the only player in NCAA basketball history, men or women, doesn't matter, with a 40-plus point triple-double in the history of the tournament. It's She's putting together these historic performances that just it brings you back to how dominant people like Gr- Brittany Griner were, Maya Moore was for UConn, how Kelsey Plum was for Washington. It, it's been those type of moments that Caitlin Clark has had, and it's been really special as Iowa's making their way to the Final Four. It's really well-earned, and I, it's hard-pressed. Maybe this momentum is what's going to push Iowa to win a national championship on the women's end. I do want to give a shout-out, though, to Haley Van Lythe over at Louisville. She had a fantastic season for the Cardinals as well. She finished with 27 points in that game. Big win for Iowa. They punched their ticket to the Final Four, and it's going to be another one for the Hawkeyes. And LSU gets their win over Miami. The Hurricanes' magical run ends in the Elite Eight. And LSU and Kim Mulkey, looking like the uh, fifth member of the Fabulous Freebirds at this point with all those crazy outfits she's wearing, they punched their ticket to the Final Four. The the final two tickets are going to be punched later this evening as one-seed South Carolina takes on two-seed Maryland in the Elite Eight. That game is scheduled for 7 o'clock. And number one-seed Virginia Tech will be playing three-seed Ohio State who knocked off UConn in the Sweet 16. That game will be at 9 o'clock tonight. So the final two tickets to be punched. There's a three seed and a two seed. Will there be another one seed? Will there be a one seed in the final four? Will we be void of one seeds in both final four matchups for the first time? And the other game, like you mentioned, LSU against Miami, 54-42, to the final. Uh, wanted to shout out Alexis Morris going for 21 points in a game that the two teams combined for less than 100 points. If you have a 20-piece, that's spectacular. And always a West Virginia connection, as they like to say on the statewide sports line. Jasmine Carson. Uh, was a member of the Mountaineer basketball team last year. Transfers to LSU, does not play well in this game, gives 10 minutes as 0 of 2 from the field. Uh, But nonetheless, it's going to be great to see her dancing and, like you said, or continue dancing. Uh, It's going to be a fun end to the women's bracket, which will be filled out from the Final Four perspective tonight. The men's Final Four bracket has been set due in part to some of the remarkable games that we had on Saturday and Sunday. Florida Atlantic, a nine seed. People were screaming the fact that this team was undefeated, and I was one of them, but none of us expected this team to make a run like they did. Guard play, I'll tell you what. Talk about roster construction. Give me eight guards that can dribble, drive, and shoot, and two of the biggest centers you've ever seen, and just play inside, outside, and it's fun basketball. They beat Kansas State 79-6-76. It's a shame that Marquise Noel's run in March had to end, uh, but if anybody was going to do it, it was this red-hot Alice team. They're insanely good right now. They're a tough team to play, and I think that's really the script for Florida Atlantic. The, the tape hadn't been out on them. Nobody was really counting on Florida Atlantic to make it this far into the run. It's a team. They were picked fifth in the Conference USA preseason poll, and here they are in the Final Four right now. A game out of winning the national championship who would have thought insane insane scenarios march has proven to be the chaotic unpredictable anomaly that we've known it to be and it's led up from the four teams that have made the final four it is the first time ever in the history of the ncaa tournament there are no top three seeds in the final four first time this has ever happened and i knew this coming in i knew this march was going to be crazy just because of the insane amount of of upsets, changing a number one overalls in the AP poll, movement in the top 25 this season. There were so many good teams in college basketball this season, and it's proven this, why there's no top three seeds. Everybody was good enough to beat everybody in a single night. We saw the second ever 16 seed beat a one seed. We've seen a nine seed make it to the final four. It's been a crazy run. It's been a crazy tournament. Florida Atlantic trying to go to the national championship. They'll play San Diego State for the opportunity to get there. It's It's been one heck of a tournament, I'll say that. 
UConn beats Gonzaga 82-54. to If Gonzaga was going to falter, I wouldn't have guessed it's because they couldn't score 60 points. They were just completely neutralized by Dan Hurley's boys in this game. UConn, to, to be fair, are still the number one team in Ken Palm and were, through the first six weeks of the season, the number one team in the country, starting to play up to that level right now. They dominated. It's not often you have blowouts like this, this late into March Madness, but in the Elite Eight, they win this game by over 20 points. Yeah, and I think right now, if you had to pick between these four teams, I think UConn has the best chance to win the national championship. Oh, yeah. A performance like that against Gonzaga, holding them to under 60, the number one scoring offense in the nation, that's impressive. You hold Drew Timmy to 12 points shooting and what potentially could be his final college game. I will mention, though, he does have a year of eligibility, so we'll have to see if he comes back for his age, what, 26 season or something like that. But UConn, again, what a performance for that roster. They've put together an incredible run here, knocking off some of the bigger teams in this tournament, and now they're going to make their way to the Final Four. They'll be playing, I believe, they'll play Miami in that Final Four matchup. The fifth-seeded Hurricanes yeah. beat Texas 88-81 to in what was a really competitive game, which I was kind of thinking Texas in this one because, I mean, Texas looked really good. But were you able to catch that uh, post-game press conference from Texas's interim coach? I did not. Oh, my goodness, tearjerker. Absolute mm. tearjerker. He he choked up while he was talking about these guys because, of course, if you're unaware of the story, if you're listening, Texas's head coach at the time, Chris Beard, he was relieved of his duties due to an allegation going on. He's now taking the Ole Miss head coaching job. Their interim coach, he takes this job not knowing if how long he's going to be with this team, and he leads them all the way to the Elite Eight. And he gets there, he absolutely just – chokes up towards the end of that presser and it, it's it's a tearjerker just what he's done with that team believe his name's Rodney Terry it's Rodney Terry, Rodney yeah. Terry. and the thing about it is is here let's see it's clean right yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you on this here's Rodney Terry in a little bit of this uh, post-game press conference we'll play uh really quickly here I mean again I love these guys and not only will I just love these guys for the time I got a chance to coach them I'm gonna love them for the rest of their lives I'll be at their at their weddings I'll be I'll be with it you know talking to those guys when they have their first born and uh you know, it was all about this team, man. And I, I, I enjoyed every single day of this journey with this group. And, and I'm, I'm going to really miss I'm going to really miss working with this group. So it was never about me. It was always about these guys. And I love these guys. And again, Ronnie Terry after that game. That's sad. What's sad about that interview is a couple of things. We need to move on because we've got the other two games to talk about really quickly. Uh, what's sad about that is is it sounds like he knows he's not going to get the job, which isn't fair because, number one, he's earned it. Absolutely. Um, but, number two, it, it's going to work out for him, though, because I understand Temple wants to hire him. Yeah. If he doesn't get offered the job at Texas full-time, which I think he'll at least get interviewed, um, he's he's, he's going to have a chance to be a, a head coach somewhere. He has been a head coach in the past, but uh, uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm sad that you brought that to my attention because that was a very <laughs> sad clip. Uh, San Diego State beat Creighton 57-56. Anytime you can hold Ryan Kalkbrenner to six rebounds, you know you're going to have a very successful game. And Jim Laranega and Miami beat Texas 88-81. Yeah, both great games. I know there was a controversial foul called towards yeah. the end of that game. It was a foul. I mean, I hate it, but it was a foul. As San Diego State used that to their advantage, knocks in a clutch free throw, gets them to the Final Four, their first Final Four in program history. In Miami, it's another run from Jim Laranega. He's been there over a decade ago. He brought George Mason to the Final Four. He does it with Miami once again, and it's going to be a fun Final Four this weekend. Yeah, that Final Four, Florida Atlantic against San Diego State. That game will be Saturday at 6 o'clock, and then Miami against UConn. That's going to be a heck of a game. That'll tip off a little before 9 o'clock.
9 o'clock. One more thing. We got one more break to take. The Division II National Championship game was played on Saturday. Listen to this final. 111 to 101. Nova Southeastern beats West Liberty. I've said it off the air. I'll say it on the air. Bryce Butler had a great game for West Liberty. 32 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Shot 11 of 19 from the field. Bob Huggins. Get this man in the gold and blue. Uh, but congratulations to Jim Crutchfield, former West Liberty coach at Nova Southeastern, of claiming his first national title. We've got one more break to take. Parker's picks coming up on the other side here at Panhandle Sports Live. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back in. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Talked about the successful weekend that they had, the successful weekend at the Home Builder Show as well. Uh, bringing home some hardware and hopefully helping some people do some remodeling. Uh, we got to see some really cool stuff during the break. Some throwback uniforms. What are they called? The City Edition uniforms? The, yeah, from the Major City League Connects Baseball. from Major League Baseball. Exactly. The City Connects, excuse me. Uh, a retro look the Atlanta Braves are going with this year. And how about a little bit of a retro theme for Parker's Picks? Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So Friday's lock of the day did hit. Creighton ended up pulling out that win in the Sweet 16. Sadly, the other two picks didn't pay out the way we wanted them to, though, which, again, it's March. It's March at this point. I'm just chalking it up to that, it not being the way we wanted it to be. But, you know, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and that's the risk we're betting in March. It's risky, but it can pay off big time. But it's going to be all NBA today because we have no college basketball until the weekend. So for today's Lock of the Day, I'm going with Devin Booker's over on points. It is 31 and a half. They're playing the Jazz tonight at 9. They're in Utah. I think Devin Booker's going to put together a really good performance as well as I've got Julius Randle under on points tonight against the Rockets. I think the Knicks have a good chance to blow him out in the garden. Randle gets pulled early. Get the younger guys to play. I think Randle's going to be under on his points tonight as well as Joel Embiid. His over-under tonight is 34.5. I think he is under. I think Denver's going to focus in on him because I believe there's no James Harden in the lineup, if I'm correct. So I think Embiid will be under on 34.5 points. It's a big number. And this is a battle of guys who they think is going to be the MVP candidate right now in the NBA, and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. I think they're going to try and hold Embiid to the under on points, and that's what I'm rolling with for today. All right, very good. Do you have your March picks tallied up? You know how you're doing? Phew! I, I have not. I'm going to have to look overall, but it's I'd say if it's around 500, if not maybe a shade below 500, if I'm going to be completely honest with it. It's just been, I knew it was going to be insane, and it's just been the most unpredictable March I've ever seen. But we mentioned the City Connects before we head out for today. Baltimore Orioles City Connect will be dropping this year, May the 26th. They will be on the field May 22nd, launch date for Orioles City Connect. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait for Major League Baseball, but it's sad to say that we're just a couple of days away from college basketball being over it's been fun it's been a fun march and this has been a fun edition of panhandle sports live brought to you by mountaineer kitchens and baths uh, i'm luke Wiggs, parker stone alongside we'll have jordan back tomorrow but in the meantime we'll talk to you tomorrow tune in coming up in just a couple of moments panhandle live is next
a.m. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.